Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you along today in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. The football weekend is not over yet. You have Monday night football in the playoffs, which is rare. It doesn't normally happen that way. But uh, kind of a cool way to end Super Wild Card Weekend. And if you want to get in on the action, visit the uh, the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort. Find out more online at PearlRiverResort.com. We'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Let C Spire help your business with all of the IT needs. Visit them online at cspire.com slash business. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, and you, thanks for being with us. A little bit different Monday. A lot of folks with uh, the day off today. Uh, in recognition of Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday. Uh, but uh, we are glad to be with you. Boys, what a weekend we had. Football, basketball, you <laughs> make your jokes, you make your <laughs> jokes. Golf had a very Mississippi flavor on the PGA Tour. Tupelo native Hayden Buckley had a chance to win, actually finished second yesterday at the uh, the Sony Open in Hawaii. That was uh, that was cool. So a ton going on. How was your weekend? Going from the football games that we had this weekend to watching Ole Miss or Mississippi State try to play basketball at this point is like going from, have you ever heard of the Top Thrill Dragster? It's a roller coaster in Ohio. Hmm. And you start out going flat. And it shoots you at 120 miles an hour, and then you go up 420 feet, and you twist on the way up, go over the top, and go direct vertically down. One of the greatest roller coasters in the world. It's one of the tallest as well. Got some, What's it called again? The Top Thrill Dragster is what it's called. It's awesome. I've been on it. It's un, it's incredible. They don't let you put your hands up because you'll dislocate your shoulders when it starts. That's how fast oh. it shoots you. It's incredible. Oh. It literally, if you put your hands up, like they won't let you go. You have to keep your hands down or it won't launch. That's how fast it goes. So it's like going from that, which was the NFL games, to going on like one of those spring rockers back and forth at a, a park right up the road. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you have given us vivid imagery. Uh, yes. Yes, they were not the same. Not the same. Hey, Dad, would you ride the Top Thrill Dragster roller coaster? I wouldn't ride the rocker at the park down the road. No, I don't I do not do the roller coasters. None. No. No no exceptions. I mean, I have ridden a couple, and after the last one, I was like, never again. Borky, do you remember the first roller coaster you rode where you went upside down? I do, actually. It was at uh, Carowinds on the okay. border of North and South Carolina. I got you. Nashville used to have Opryland. Opryland was a theme park, and the, uh, the Opryland theme park had... The Wabash Cannonball had two upside-down loops in it. Terrified, but it was great, and I've loved roller coasters ever since. Oh, they're the best, man. Cedar Point, random little roller... I say little. Random roller coaster park in a shrinking, tiny, dumpy little town in Ohio. Sandusky, Ohio. Yeah, which is a real place. Not Tommy Boy, real place is Sandusky, (laughs) Ohio. But they've got this roller coaster park. I think they've got... Two in the top ten tallest and fastest in the world there, and like 18 total. It is, it's unbelievable, and it's just kind of like in dumpy little Ohio. So okay. th- that's what came to my mind was the NFL was the dragster, and having to suffer through watching Ole Miss and State play basketball this weekend was like, and my son loves them, but those those little spring-loaded rockers where you get on them and they rock back and forth, and he looks like he's having a great time, but not the same. Uh-oh, Borky. They have closed the Top Thrill Dragster. What for? Like, permanently? Top Thrill Dragster experienced a serious accident in which a guest waiting in line was seriously injured after a small metal piece was dislodged from a train. Mm. Yikes. Park officials announced that Top Thrill Dragster would remain closed for the remainder of the 2022 season. It's so being it'll come retired. back. No, they announced on September 6th, Cedar Point officials released an update on social media stating, Top Thrill Dragster, as you know it, is being retired. As you know it, which means they got something better planned. <laughs> Maybe something safer. Uh, who who I mean, needs safety? Man, it, when you're waiting in line for two hours for that thing, sometimes the launch doesn't go well, and you get to the peak, but then you go back down backwards. Because there's only one one train at a time, right? It's it's the same one. Okay. But I, I mean, I couldn't have survived that. I I, I would have seriously. I, I would have just keeled over right there if we'd have gone up to the peak and then gone backwards back. I I, I couldn't handle that. Everything else I could. Seaspire text line is open to you. Your roller coaster thoughts or uh, whatever else you want to get to this afternoon. This. Super wild card weekend where it is spread out over the course of three days is fantastic. I think I watched more NFL football this weekend than I had watched cumulatively all season long. If we were talking about college football, I certainly wouldn't admit that, but it's no secret that I'm not the consumer of NFL football that you guys are. Borky, you consume all NFL football. Hey Dad consumes Saints NFL football, and I just kind of cherry pick here and there. But I feel like I'm getting up to speed, and what a weekend it was, starting on Saturday with the Niners over the Seahawks and Brock Purdy. What a cool story. Brock Purdy 
who was noticeably absent from Iowa State this year. Brock Purdy left Iowa State, and they took a step back. No figure. NFL quarterback leaves a middle-tier program, and they're not as good the following year. He gets his opportunity after a Garoppolo injury, uh, and I guess a, what it was a, a a Trey Lance injury first, and then a Garoppolo injury. That's right. That led to this opportunity. I'm not sure that Brock Purdy is ever going to let go of the starting job with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that was my thought after, I guess, towards the end of the game was, are they really going to start Trey Lance over this dude? You can't. I mean, how could you? I mean, what, what if the 49ers win this week and get to the NFC Championship game? Or what if they win entirely the next possible. two and get to the Super Bowl? Also entirely possible. This is... This is Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe, isn't it? I remember a conversation we had a few years ago. It was a while ago where we talked about quarterbacks in the NFL and what makes them successful and what makes them not. So this is when Ben Roethlisberger was still there, Drew Brees was still there. But we went through every starting quarterback in the NFL. And basically all of them came from a place that was not what you would consider a football factory. Now Alabama's changed things a little bit. You know, they've got two established starters in the league and then another that also played there but went to Oklahoma. But Ben Roethlisberger, Miami of Ohio, Drew Brees, Purdue. Tom Brady was not on good Michigan teams, and he had to fight and lose and fight and lose his starting job while he was there. But look at it today. How many games in college did Josh Allen play where his team was significantly better than their opponent at every position? Yeah, very few. Very few, if any. Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. Other than the... Texas Southern game that they played, every week his opponent was as good, if not better, than him. And on and on and on. Brock Purdy's the same way. And we talked about it in the context of, I wonder if that makes it easier to transition to the NFL. Because in the NFL, you don't have better players than your opponents, basically ever. I mean, there's a couple games, maybe. But it's not like the 49ers had better players than the Seahawks across the board, and they just dominated and he was comfortable. No. He was under duress often. He had to make throws in tight windows. He had to go through progressions. The game was super fast, but yet he spent years in college doing the same thing, where receivers aren't getting wide open, where his offensive line's not giving him six seconds to decide to throw the football. Maybe there's something to quarterbacks coming from not Ohio State, not Alabama, and they've thrown a wrench into that not Georgia, where you ha- you're you battle-tested on a weekly basis, and so you're more prepared for this. Brock Purdy was more prepared for this than your typical rookie. And hey, Dad, tonight, a quarterback from a non-traditional football factory will be on the biggest stage imaginable in the opening round weekend of the NFL playoffs, needing a win more than any other quarterback in these playoffs for himself, And for his team, we are, of course, talking about Dak Prescott as the Cowboys are in Tampa to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight with the whole flipping world watching. Yeah, definitely a legacy game here for Dak Prescott, and there's there's really no getting around that fact. Love him or hate him, if Dak Prescott wins this game tonight, then his legacy is totally different than it was prior. And if he loses it, it starts. You really have to start buying into the idea that Dak Prescott will never take the Cowboys further than than the playoffs. So, a lot on his shoulders tonight, and we'll see what happens going up against the goat, but not the goat's best team by any stretch.
Not by any stretch, but the question is, if it's a game in the fourth quarter, are you going to bet against Tom Brady? Never. Might want to do that at your own peril. We'll talk I more never about bet against that. touchdown, Tom. And all of the other games from the playoffs this weekend when we come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Our Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Uh, let's just keep talking about the games from the weekend. That's kind of where we started things out this afternoon. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of a preview of tonight's game between Tampa Bay and uh, and the Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco won 41-23 over Seattle. And it was a game. San Francisco jumped out to a 10-0 lead. It was 17-16 at the half as Seattle ripped off 17 points in the second quarter. And then the, the the fourth quarter of the game belonged to the 49ers. They outscored Seattle 18-6 in the final 15 minutes of the ball game. And big players made big plays in this game. Geno Smith was was good. Kenneth Walker was good. DK Metcalf was great. Ten catches for 136 yards, two touchdowns. As pretty a run out there, go route, catch it, drop it in a basket, run past everybody as you'll find on that 50-yard touchdown. He's too big to be able to do that. Like it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does. It does not. <laughs> I don't think physics and, and, and DK Metcalf oh. necessarily mesh. On the other side, Brock Purdy. 18 of 30 for 332 and three touchdowns with no picks, and he was sacked one time. Yeah, Stunk early settled in and and played much better. Uh, Escapability in the pocket, too. Made a couple of plays late with with his legs, keeping the play alive. That was just... It was was really cool to watch, honestly. I mean, he's he's become kind of a star. Struggled last week and and kind of came in and and has, has taken the reins. What an improbable story he is. Because, like Josh Allen, I'm not saying he's Josh Allen, he was fine in college. He was he was good. Oh, Brock Purdy was really was good. good in college. Really but, but good. But did you look at Brock he Purdy elevated and think, Iowa State. Yeah, but did you look at him and think, you know, that guy's going to take over as a rookie and win a playoff game? No, absolutely not. And yet here he is. And they've got weapons too, man. Uh, I mean, when, you, when you've got Debo and McCaffrey and Ayuk, I mean, are you kidding me? And of course, they're really good at tight end as well. It's it's just defense and weapons abound, and maybe they don't have to mess around with quarterback anymore. Yeah. No, I did not look at six one two hundred twenty pound Brock Purdy and go, you know what, he's going to be winning playoff games this year. But he did start for four years and throw for over twelve thousand yards and eighty one touchdowns at Iowa State. He was good, good in college. I can tell you who he was better than. Will Levis, sorry. Yes. <laughs> as a matter of fact, he was better than Will Levis, as you uh, as you mentioned. Can you think of a more recent? I'm sorry. Of a, a re, can you think recently 
of a more impactful midseason trade than Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers this year, coming over from Carolina. 15 carries, 119 yards. He was so good. Especially in football. I mean, trades, especially mid-season trades, just don't, they just don't tend to have a ton of impact. You know, it's not like baseball where a guy can come in and change things immediately. You don't see it that often. So, and and there were two this year that like Mm -hmm. immediately jump off the page at you. This one was Christian McCaffrey, and then Roquan Smith going to Baltimore. Second half of the season, Baltimore had the second best scoring defense in the NFL. Not coincidentally, after Roquan Smith arrived, and he just got, as the kids like to say, a bag last week. Oh, and they. And we'll get to it later. They should have won last night. They should Pro- have. Probably should have won that game. But they did. They did not make the play necessary to win the game when it mattered the most. And so they will be watching this weekend. How? Speaking of teams that should have won the game, it was 27 to nothing in Duval on Saturday night. Until it wasn't. Jags get a touchdown right before the half to make it 27-7. And then they start chipping away. Chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. They outscore the Chargers by 10 in the third quarter. And then they blank them 11-zip in the fourth quarter. And a gutsy gopher two call mixed in there. Which, Al Michaels, they didn't know why the ball was so close to the goal line. They had no idea. They didn't have a clue. So, uh, were you able to lock into that? a lot of criticism of Al Michaels online on Saturday night. Were you able to like lock in with the volume up and all that? Like, Did you guys like truly watch? I was not. And I went back and watched the highlights on YouTube today and... For a game-winning field goal that comes at the back end of a 27-point or whatever comeback, it wasn't the most, you know, enthralling call that Al Michaels has ever put together. It was. It was not exactly. Do you believe in miracles? No. Yes. That, that's, shall we say? That's what makes it so hard to believe that the same guy that that generated. One of the most iconic calls in sports broadcasting history, considering yes. the moment and then what he said. I mean, I get chill bumps when I hear the yes at the end of that call. And it was the entire second half, though. It wasn't just the field goal. Al Michaels and Tony Dungy were asleep. It's like you guys are witnessing the the third Dungy. greatest comeback in the history of the sport in front of your eyes, and you're calling it like it's the third quarter of the second preseason game? And, and not only are you witnessing it, you're witnessing, witnessing it with an environment yes. that matches the gravity of the moment. I mean, Jaguars fans, they were dead, but they didn't leave. They stuck oh. with it. And then they're like, oh, oh, maybe. And, and it got I louder and louder I will and say louder. this, though. I will say this. I came back to something you said last week about it being more of a college town. I was thinking, you know, while that comeback was going on, if that was a Florida-Georgia game, even with half the stadium, I think it would have been louder than the full Ooh. stadium cheering for the Jaguars. Well, NBC did a, a terrible job. Terrible job. Like, like It's like they muffled the crowd. Like They didn't use their Nat Sound mics. 
It, it sounded like Maybe they that were could broadcasting well be the it, game from elsewhere. It did not sound. It did not sound like a a massive sellout crowd going as berserk as they should for that kind of comeback. Interestingly enough, to 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 Borky's point, I decided I need a sugar I needed a sugar fix on on Saturday night before the end of that game, and so I went to uh, I went to Dairy Queen. They have what they call a cupfection. It's a brownie with Heath bar and soft serve ice ice cream and chocolate drizzle and caramel drizzle, and it is divine. And so I was listening to it on the radio, and through the radio, you could hear the energy, you could feel the energy, the volume was there, the crowd was berserk. Yeah, and can, it was not. It was not NBC's best work. No, and, by a long shot. In CBS, I think something they do well with NFL games, it's like they almost have it turned up too much to where you're having to like kind of listen to the announcers to hear them because the crowd is so loud. It's The, the contrast was, was stark, but I, I think it's time for Al Michaels to not be on the call. I, I hate this because he is a legend. But if that's... And I, sometimes Twitter piles on undeservingly, yeah. but they were spot on, man. It, it was dead. Again, the third... Greatest comeback, largest comeback in the history of playoff professional football. And it's like they were narrating, you know, Queen Elizabeth's funeral. You know what? I, I, I would like to sense from an announcer of a game like that. I don't I don't need Gus Johnson. No disrespect intended. He's obviously very, very good at his craft. I want to sense from the person that is broadcasting that game, without a lot of silliness and without screaming, I want to sense that there is no place on earth that they would rather be than right where they're sitting doing exactly what they're doing. And if you really are enjoying it, that's not a stretch. Like, I want I want even Al Michaels, who has covered and seen and done and I mean like it's all there in his resume. I would love for Al Michaels to take just a half step back during a commercial break and go, I get to do this. I don't know how much longer, but I get to do this. I didn't get that sense from Al Michaels. Who is absolutely one of the best to ever do it. Ever. And poor Dungey, wonderful man, not cut out for an analyst role, just not cut from out from the very open of the broadcast, and it never changed. Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions, and then four touchdown passes. What do you? Nobody has that stat line. What are we talking oh. about? I'll read you the the half and half when we get back. It's a wild Trevor Lawrence stat about his night. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We will be right back. Exciting news. Yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. No. 
Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll start the four o'clock hour with winners and losers. You can send us yours on the ceasefire text line. Maybe hold off a few minutes so they don't just get buried. Um, Michael Borky told us before the break he was going to give us the first half, second half splits of yes. Trevor Lawrence. The tale of two halves. Okay, in the first half, he was 10 of 24 for 77 yards. Did have that one touchdown late, which kind of gave people a little optimism, but also four interceptions. Here's the second half. 18 of 23, 211 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a 144.5 passer rating as opposed to a 24.5 passer rating in the first half. So, hey, Dad, the first interception that he threw was batted at the line, low throw, yeah. defense, uh, defensive lineman grabs it, has a nice little return. And, and just, I mean, Asante Samuel just ate. He had three picks in the game. Yeah. What, what, there, in what the first was half. The, yeah, what was the game that I was watching yesterday? It was the second game, I think. Giants-Vikings. I can't know. Maybe it was at the end of Bills Dolphins. I, I don't remember whichever game it was, and it was showing whoever the best defensive back was for them with three interceptions on the year. I was like, huh, Asante Samuel did that in the first half last night. It's incredible, <laughs> just incredible. Yeah. And then to see Lawrence completely flip the script, completely. That's what good quarterbacks can do. They, you know, they really can compartmentalize everything into play by play, and you know what happened on the previous play doesn't affect what I do on the next play. And Lawrence has got that that kind of of, of you know clutch gene or whatever you want to call it. He's been a winner his entire life in high school and in college, and you know it's going to take some doing, obviously, because you got to get some pieces around him. But he's obviously going to be like that in the pros. It looks like. And, uh, yeah, congrats to him to come back. And a big game for Evan Ingram. Put a little Mississippi flavor Ooh. on that. He, he caught a bunch of passes Dude, on, really uh, on Saturday night. Former Ole Miss players had a heck of a weekend. So DK had a couple. Ingram played great. Dawson Knox should have had two. Uh, got one taken off the board. Uh, Mike Hilton had a sack. A big sack in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little weekend. Yeah, no I, did, I did tweet out the the first touchdown scored in the uh, the playoffs this year was a DK Metcalf catch, who of course was being blocked by Charles Cross. Hmm. Yeah. How about that. Um. We don't necessarily, I guess, have to talk about Jonathan Abrams' moment in the uh, in the playoffs this weekend. That was not the best look. Hey. Hey. But a couple of states' defensive linemen are about to be unlocked, by the way. I was talking to one of my state friends, and he was like, Ole Miss guys are having all the fun, but wait till uh, the one seeds get to play next weekend. And I was like, you're yeah. right. Yeah. You, yes, yes, there, mm-hmm. will, uh, there will be some moments uh, next weekend, no question. Uh, a simple question. If Tua Tonga-Vailoa plays the Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills yesterday, Yes. Or or Probably. do you get a different version of Buffalo where they don't kind of take their foot off the gas like they did? Buffalo did no, 14 playoffs. to nothing. Yeah. I think Tua makes a difference. Skylar Thompson kind of did 
all that he could yesterday. Yeah, there's a bunch of drops early, too. Couldn't get into a rhythm. I, I found myself rooting for him after the, they told the story. Just He lost his mom when he was six, I believe they said, is when his mom passed, and it's just been he and his dad. And they showed his dad in the stands. He drove 15 hours from Missouri, right? Isn't that where he's from? Went to Kansas State. He's from Missouri. Anyway, but his dad drove 15 hours to get to Buffalo to go watch his kid get a start in the NFL in the playoffs. I just I couldn't imagine the anxiety. But uh, So I found myself rooting for him all game and almost pulled it off. They really did. 262 yards of total offense for Miami. And it was a field goal game. And it took a stand by Buffalo's defense at the end. Josh Allen goes 23 of 39, 352, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, He was good. He wasn't great Josh Allen yesterday. Good Josh Allen. He's got to be better than that in the next round. Minor hot take. Minor. Mm -hmm. He trusts his arm too much. Sometimes he just, and it happened a couple of times in this game where he was just like, well, I'll get it down there, no problem. And he just threw the football carelessly, and it led to a couple of turnovers. And then, of course, the fumble, but, you know, that that's hard to imagine anybody holding on to the ball in that situation. But still, it's he was a little careless yesterday, and careless is going to get you beat. So the middle game yesterday, guys, we all went to sleep. And when we went to sleep, Daniel Jones was a very average quarterback. And when we woke up, Daniel Jones is a very good quarterback who clearly has received good coaching this year and did something that had never been done in playoff history. Threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns and rushed for 70 yards in the same game. No quarterback in in NFL history has ever done that in the playoffs. 24 of 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns, 17 carries, 78 yards for Daniel Jones. The Giants go on the road in the wild card round. They beat Minnesota. Kirk Cousins does the most Kirk Cousins thing ever at the end of the ballgame. On fourth and eight, he throws it to a tight end in the flat that's four yards down the field. And covered. And covered. Yeah. Here's your second stat of the day, though. This is gonna. This might blow your mind. Okay. Kirk Cousins slash the Vikings are the only team in the Super Bowl era to complete at least eighty percent of their passes with no turnovers and no sacks allowed, and still lose the game. Mm. NFL teams have been until yesterday forty-seven and zero when their quarterback had that stat line. If I had told you that Daniel Jones was going to have twice as many rushing attempts as Saquon Barkley, if I told you that going into the game, would you have felt like that was going to be a recipe for Buffalo to advance to the divisional round? He's good. He made plays with his feet. In the first quarter, Daniel Jones was 5 of 5 for 100 yards with 22 yards on the ground. Two big rushing plays in that first quarter. And the Giants get it done. Does this feel like one of those Giants stories? I mean, both Giants Super Bowl wins, with Eli Manning as the Super Bowl MVP in both of them, started with them winning a wild card game. 
Yeah, but with with Eli, he was a little bit more proven commodity. I mean, he's the number one overall pick. You, you knew. You just had a little bit more faith in him to get it done than you did you do Daniel Jones. So I just want to wait and see a little bit on this. But I'll tell you what, I like the way they play. Their offense is very collegiate in the, in the things they do, the amount of quarterback run that they do and the, the amount of, of, of deception and, and, and motion and stuff. It, it, I mean, it looks like Brian Dayball still calling plays at Alabama. It's working, though. It is, and good for Daniel Jones, right? The, the Bills did not pick up that fifth-year option going into the season. And so now Daniel Jones is in line to get a really, really good contract. And he's going to be the quarterback of the future for the New York Giants. And it's a, uh, right, it's a, a proud franchise that has been run well for the majority of its existence that spent the last, what, half decade or so being run like a used car lot, like a a, a, a a poorly run used car lot. Not like one of the used car lots where everything is done really well and you get a new coach in who is experienced and who's doing a great job with that team, not too high, not too low, and the Giants get the win and they advance. I really want to thank the Giants for something, though. I mean, mm-hmm. I really thank them for only making us suffer with Brian Dayball at Alabama for one season. I mean, I know Alabama's still been awesome since he left, but could you imagine him being there for multiple years? He out-schemes NFL defenses every week. Could you imagine that guy? I mean, he coordinated a national championship team in his one year, but just thank you to the Giants for, for keeping him away for, you know, or not the... Um, the Bills. The Bills, not the Giants. Wasn't he, wasn't the Bills. The coordinator there? Yeah. yeah. So thank you to did, the Bills. Did, did, I, did I say the Bills a second? Trey and South well, that's where he went. Why does Richard keep saying the Bills? Uh, could, that's where he went initially, and then the Giants hired him to be their, their main guy. But, yeah, thank you, Buffalo. Forgive me, not New York. Thank you, Buffalo, for recognizing the talent and getting him out of here. Yeah. Are we all on the same page now? Did we screw that up badly? It's all right. Okay. It's Monday. I didn't. I haven't had any coffee at all today, so... Ooh, why? It wasn't feeling well this morning. Sports Talk Mississippi. What's going on? Well, he's got to get it together. Got to get it together. We got more playoff football coming up tonight. We got more Sports Talk Mississippi coming up after this as well. We'll be right back. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, good news. We got another Twitter graphic from Michigan. Another one? From Santa Ono, the president of the University of Michigan. I just got off the phone with Coach Harbaugh, and Jim shared with me the great news that he is going to remain as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines 
That is fantastic news that I have communicated to our athletic director, Ward Manuel. Go Blue. Wait, wait a minute. I thought he said that a couple weeks ago. What? Well, why do you have to release another statement when he... Oh, wait a minute. It's because that's not what he said a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. And just, just passing along another Twitter graphic to you from uh, Go Blue. <laughs> Man. It's an, it's an odd bunch in Ann Arbor. It's a lot of odd bunches in college football. College football right. is filled with odd. You are you are right about that. So um, the other half of the Giants-Vikings game that we didn't really talk about was Kirk Cousins. I mean, we, we briefly, Borky gave you the stat, 80%, no turnovers, no not getting the win, no sacks. Cousins was good. 31 of 39, 273, two touchdowns, no picks, but that's it. He was just good. And to win in the playoffs, you need your quarterback to be a little bit more than good, right? I mean, let's think about the, the winners this week. Brock Purdy was more than good. Not saying he was great, but he was more than good in that game against Seattle. Trevor Lawrence was bad, but then he was really good after being bad. Josh Allen was good enough. That wasn't the best version of Josh Allen, but he was good enough. Daniel Jones was really good. Kirk Cousins was good, but he wasn't good enough. He's a ceiling guy. He is. A floor-ceiling guy. Really, really high floor. Really high floor. Almost identical ceiling. Yeah. And then last night, what were those quarterbacks? Tyler Huntley getting the start for Baltimore in the absence of Lamar Jackson. Still a weird story there. Joe Burrow didn't blow you away with his numbers, but, man, you feel good about your chances when Joe Burrow's your quarterback. 23 of 32, 209 yards, had a touchdown, was not picked off in the game. The Baltimore defense is good. Borky said earlier Baltimore should have won the game. Huntley's going in on a quarterback sneak with the ball high. He was supposed to go low, according to his coach. Ball gets knocked away. Cincinnati goes for a touchdown. Bengals win at 24-17. And you can tell if he does stay low, the the scrum was going to the end zone. He didn't and it's easy to say now in hindsight when you're not in the scrum, but all he had to do was stay in the scrum and it would have just carried him into the end zone for what possibly would have been the game-winning touchdown and said Sam Hubbard gets to take it 98 yards back the other way, all 270 pounds of him. He had a good block. There was like an extended block where the guy just yeah. kind of just kind of playing like uh, almost like a matador, just kind of trying to get in front of the bull and slow him down a little bit. I'm glad they didn't call block in the back there, though. That, that would have yeah. been... Yeah. Agreed. There's a lot of football left after that, though. So Cincinnati goes up 24-17, and then the Ravens go three and out. The Bengals punt it. The Ravens go five plays, and they have to punt it. The Bengals punt it again. And then the Ravens, on the final drive of the game, they go ten plays but cover only 19 yards. Ball got dropped in the end zone. Mm. It hit him. Mm. And Cincinnati moves on. And so we, for the most part, have next week's matchup set. Obviously, we've got to wait and see the result of the game tonight. 
Jaguars at the Chiefs on Saturday afternoon. Giants at the Eagles on Saturday night. Bengals at the Bills on Sunday afternoon. And then the winner of tonight's game between Tampa Bay and Dallas heads to San Francisco to take on the 49ers in the late game on Sunday. There's a lot of talk about this Bengals-Bills matchup and whether or not it should be played at a neutral site instead of being played in Buffalo. Understandably so. So, conspiracy theory. Put your tinfoil hat on with me. The NFL chose not to go the that route with this game because the home atmospheres are better and it looks better on television and it's more enjoyable. Therefore, doing it possibly two weeks in a row is not something that they wanted. So they were willing to kind of eat the PR hit by having the Bengals complain to have it in a home stadium as opposed to possibly playing two weeks in a row in Atlanta or whatever where the game is not near as... So, remind me, if the Chiefs win against the Jaguars... And the Bills win, it's in Atlanta. And the Bills win, then it's in Atlanta. That's right. If the Chiefs win and the Bengals win, then it's in Kansas City. Yes. And if the Jaguars win, it doesn't matter who wins the other game. It will be a home game for one of those two teams. Correct. Okay. So that's the setup for next weekend. Should be another great weekend of football. The the get-in-the-door price right now for Giants-Eagles is $297 a ticket. $297 to sit in the top row of the upper deck, probably in the corner. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday afternoon with you alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two great 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can play one or the other or both. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit, part of Pearl River Resort. Richard Cross. Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, just reminding you, if you forgot from when I said that 30 seconds ago, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. Even though today is a holiday for many of you, we'll do what we always do on a Monday at 4 o'clock, and that is get to winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Plenty to choose from from the weekend that was, whether it's playoffs, basketball, whatever else it is you're looking for. 
What did you like from the weekend? That goes in the winner's column. What did you not like from the weekend? That goes in the loser's column. I'll give you a couple of quick ones from SEC basketball. Alabama, big winner, hosting LSU. They won by 40. Alabama scored 59 in the first half of their game against LSU. Yes, that is more than Ole Miss scored in its game on Saturday. It's also more than Tennessee scored in its game on Saturday in a home loss to the Kentucky Wildcats. And right now the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in the SEC is South Carolina. Right, They got absolutely boat raced last weekend by Tennessee and they beat Kentucky in the midweek. And then they got beat at home by 41 by Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat them 94-53. to So two lopsided margins in SEC basketball. Alabama and Texas A&M, big winners this weekend. Brian Haydad, give me a winner, please. Well, first of all, with Alabama, you might as well just name it the Brandon Miller SEC Freshman of the Week Award at this point. That kid is good. Good, good, um, good. I don't see how it can't be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, to battle back from from throwing you know four picks in the first half, a lot. I mean, a lot of players, most players, would just fold up shop and try to get even in the playoffs and just try to get through it as best they can. Instead, he just went out there and led his team to a, to a huge comeback. Um, that's a like I said, Jacksonville's a fun story. We're only three wins away from Vince McMahon having to give Tony Khan the belt. They're just a fun story. They're a fun team. That's a you know a franchise that could have been in disarray for years after the Urban Meyer debacle. They got it figured out quickly, and I think they're going to continue to grow and be a good franchise. I, I like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to be a, a great quarterback of the future. Michael Borky, a winner, please. Cliff Kingsbury, because he is the first human <laughs> football coach out there. He gets fired. One-way ticket. Yes. Yes. He gets fired by the Cardinals a year after they give him a contract that extends all the way out to twenty through 2027. Um, he couldn't make it work with a quarterback that they had to force to study film. I imagine the next guy is going to have the same failure. But either way, he's got tens of millions in many years left on his contract that has to get paid to him. So he hops on a plane with his Instagram model foreign girlfriend and goes to Thailand and tells his agent, don't field any calls. I'm not taking any calls. I'll let you know if I come back to the States. And they're just living it up over in in Bali or someplace, just hanging out on the beach and going fishing and uh, whatever else that you do in Bali, I suppose. But that's the first normal football coach thing. Matt Rule had the same deal. He takes the Nebraska job. What are you doing? Hop on a plane, go to Bali, tell them to bring me my money, which is what he's doing, and we may never hear from him again. I love this story at the New York Post. Skeptics are calling into question if Cliff Kingsbury really bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. The Internet has been roaring since Saturday when Fox Sports' Peter Schrager reported recently fired Cardinals coach traveled to Southeast Asia with no plans to leave it. Uh, coupled with the fact that Kingsbury's girlfriend, Veronica Bielik, has been posting on Instagram from the region of late. 
Schrager said Cliff Kingsbury bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. He's already been contacted by several different teams about whether he'd like to interview for a job. He said, no, I'm good. He's being paid five years guaranteed by the Arizona Cardinals. That chick hits every two weeks. What is it, $30 million? Something like that. So here's the reason that it's being called into question. <clears throat> a news story from ThaiEmbassy.com that says, The Thai Embassy says you can't enter Thailand on a tourist visa with a one-way ticket. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Cool semantics game. Nobody cares. He's in Thailand. Nobody cares about your stupid rules. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't I know did. how to tell you this. The, the rules are different for the rich versus the rest of us. I, I I just did a quick Google image search of vacation in Thailand. Careful. Looks nice. Yeah. Looks nice. Some things aren't what they seem over there, though. I'm just saying. It looks nice. Scenery is spectacular. Good for Cliff Kingsbury. Any uh, any more winners before we turn to the other side? I'll throw Hayden Buckley in there. Uh, no, he did not, in the purest sense of the word, win the Sony Open. But he played really well. And... That was a good finish for the former Missouri Tiger golfer, Hayden Buckley, who finished one shot back of Siwoo Kim, 17 under, all four rounds in the 60s, 67, 64, 64, 68. He earned $861,100 and 300 FedEx points. And this is for a guy who really couldn't find a place to play college golf. But... He has found a place, and it's been a good run. Got married in December, finished his second in Hawaii in January. He's already put $800,000 in the bank this year. It's a good start to 2023 for Hayden Buckley. Okay, shall we flip it? Let us flip it to losers. Losers from the weekend. I got mine. Whatever clown put $1.4 million down on the Chargers <laughs> oh. during the game when they were up 27 to nothing, that $1.4 million would have net him $11,200 and he lost every penny. If you have $1.4 million, why on earth are you putting it down to net a thousand or eleven thousand? There are better investment vehicles to get a return on investment that would match that. I mean, maybe it's yes. not immediately. Maybe it's over a short period of time. But a decent financial guy should be able to do that. Look, I'm all about freedom and the American dream, or at least what it was supposed to be, and people. And capitalism and people should be able to get what they want and, and and however they get it, and the government should stay out of the way. But guys like this having $1.4 million to spend makes me think that we should take it from them. You know what I mean? There is a flip side to this story. Can you imagine what it would be like to have so much money that you could bet $1.4 million where if you win, you only return $11,000 net profit on that $1.4 million? Yeah, but and if you don't win, oh, well. 
That that sounds it's like a different mindset get them next as well. time. That sounds like some oil tycoon. What is that like, trust Richard? fund kid that like goes to Texas A and M but flunks out in the first semester and like goes to the community college in in Bryan but tells everybody there that he is still a student at Texas A and M yet everybody knows he's not. He still laid down one point. Feels awfully million. specific. I, I am just familiar with a person that. Flunked out of school and lived off daddy's trust fund and told all of us that, no, he's definitely not going to Northeast. He's totally still a student at Ole Miss, but why don't you have any classes on campus? Well, I take them all online. Well, they don't really have online offering like that. Uh, well, you just have a weird schedule. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, buddy. We we know. Oh, okay. Right. And then he would say, drinks are on okay. me. You guys are like, okay, great, whatever. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we believe you. All right, we got to talk hoops for a second. Uh, Ole Miss loses at home to Georgia, sixty-two fifty-eight on Saturday. Y- y'all's disdain for hoops is incredible. What did you try to watch? <laughs> I, mean, I watched the state game. Ugh. Georgia improved to three and one in the SEC. Ole Miss falls to zero and five. We'll pick this up when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Alright, so we're talking about winners and losers. I was going to kind of roll... Ole Miss has lost to Georgia and Mississippi State's lost to Auburn kind of into one, but for different reasons. Um, Ole Miss home game, honestly, the crowd was better than I thought it was going to be. wasn't by any stretch of the imagination full, and it was not an invigorating crowd, but there were more bodies in the stands than I expected uh, there to be. But Richard, people, no, nobody cares. They should just g- give up on basketball and put all that money into baseball because nobody cares at all. An 0 4 team that had been, what, 0 for their last 20, no, 4 and 22 in the last two years in SEC play still had a noticeable crowd. But people don't care. What? That doesn't make sense. Oh, wait, it's because they actually kind of do. Yeah, you got to get the basketball thing figured out. Morell had 13, Abram had 12, and Georgia won on the road. And it's been a good start for Mike White and the Georgia Bulldogs. And then it looked different. Mississippi State and Auburn. Auburn wins at 69-63. Mississippi State pretty good from the free throw line. 21 of 28, 75% from the line. Who are these guys? But what? But there was the O of eighteen mark from behind the three point arc. O yeah. of eighteen. You'd think after like O for ten, Jans would have just been like, "Stop shooting threes. Next guy to shoot a three loses a scholarship. Just, <laughs> just, just take a step inside the line and shoot the ball." And yeah, you know, flip side, Auburn hits forty four percent from behind the arc. They hit eleven threes in the mm-hmm. game, and Auburn wins. I mean, state shoots state shoots fifty seven fifty eight percent without the threes. I think I think I saw a stat that only two of their shots weren't dunks or layups. 
So they got good looks all night. The game plan was good. They got to the line 28 times and converted 21. They did enough to win, except in one area. And even then, 3 of 18, which is, I, if I'm doing the math, 12% from eight from three-point range wins the game. Hmm. So, if you can ever take encouragement from a loss where you shoot 0 of 18 from three-point range, this might be the one time. Meanwhile, Mississippi State falls to 1-4 and four in the SEC, and they host Tennessee this week. You said something a second ago, hey, Dad. You, you, you said our disdain for basketball. It, what, what do you mean? Every time we talk about basketball, you're just like, oh. It's like me with golf. But it's, I, I want to like, I mean, you guys know I like basketball. I like college basketball yeah. more than either of the two of you do. Maybe by a significant amount. But, man, it is a hard watch right now. Ole Miss is a hard watch. Mississippi State's a hard watch. Like, ugh. And the thing is, it, it, it's not, because I've had people equate, well, college basketball is just a tough watch. It, it's it's tougher than professional, sure. And maybe Alabama's not the best comparison because they have a soon-to-be number three pick on their team. But there is free-flowing styles being played in college right now that's aesthetically mm-hmm. pleasing. Yeah. Not here, there's not. Is not it? with Ole Miss and Mississippi State, anyway. This ain't it. Uh, losers. Porky, you got a loser? Already did the... Uh, the guy that lost eleven point oh, four yeah, million right. dollars yeah, that, on a that, bet. That will suffice for your loser. Hey Dad, do you have a loser? Ah, uh, nah. You know what? I'm in a good mood today. We'll uh, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it lighthearted. All right. So we'll go to the ceasefire text line with a few of your winners and losers. Here's one: John Calipari's halftime interview. It was odd. I thought maybe more was made of this than had to be made. He Holly just put Rowe. his hands on, or what? What? What happened? Yeah, but it wasn't like. I mean, there were people. I mean, the 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 Twitter reactions to what happened were like, "Come on, hello!" I wake up in the morning and I look for a reason to be offended. It was it was that kind of reaction. John Calipari, Holly Rowe. I mean, she's worked a million games that he's coached. They know each other. And he, like, turns and faces her and plops both hands on her shoulders, like, I'm talking to you, like, whatever. I, I didn't think it was that bad. Am I, am I, what am I missing here? I haven't seen it. So. Borky, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, and it, it's probably something you shouldn't do. Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. But she, she it, this is going to sound Maybe it doesn't sound bad. I don't care. If if the person that you are standing up for is not offended in any way, then stop. You know what I mean? Has Holly come out and said... I haven't seen it, if so. She didn't appear in the interview to be offended. So sometimes you have to defend people. If, if, they're, if it didn't bother them, then it didn't bother them. I don't... You know? If you're, if you're Calpar, you shouldn't do that. You just... You, you don't double... You don't. You shouldn't. Anyway, but it's he's fun. got it's, that Italian talk with his hands. Put his. I mean, it's just who he is. 
He, he, he just, I don't know. I don't know. There was something a couple of years ago, right? Was it Maria Taylor or somebody else? I, I, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Um, he should next time he has an interview with a with a guy, just put your hands on him. Yeah. Holly, uh, Holly had one of those moments in the national championship game where I thought, I'm glad Ron Franklin's not in the booth right now because we would have had another sweetheart. It's not, it's not quitting when you're down 21 in the fourth quarter with three minutes left. It, it was one of those moments that Chris Fowler did not go down that road. So um, I had to do with running up the score. Enjoy. Yeah, what? Never mind. I digress. Uh, and a couple of other winners and losers. Uh, Tyler Hundley, loser for trying to go over the top on a quarterback sneak. Okay. You got KJ Jefferson. Uh, Jason McComb, loser fans that trash a player on social media because they enter the transfer portal. Ding, ding, ding. Twitter's a bad place, man. Yeah. Can be. When he said winner Ole Miss women's basketball, they lost yesterday, didn't they? They did. They had a good crowd. Um, I feel like um, this is a little too slapsticky of a comment to go in winners and losers. So maybe we just talk about this a little bit. Uh, a tragic story from Tuscaloosa. Darius Miles has been arrested on murder charges. He is a backup player for University of Alabama. Capital murder charges. After a, how do you describe it, a gun violence incident? Um, shot a allegedly shot a 23-year-old woman in her car after what was described, at least in the story that I read, as a very minor altercation that occurred in an establishment earlier in the evening. Yeah. Darius Miles and another man have been charged with capital murder in connection with a Sunday morning shooting near campus on the strip that killed a 23-year-old woman. Miles was booked into the Tuscaloosa County Jail around 645 Eastern on Sunday night, a jail official told ESPN. University said Miles, a junior reserve from Washington, D.C., is no longer on the team. Captain Jack Kennedy of the Tuscaloosa Police Department said the shooting occurred early Sunday morning in the Strip off University Boulevard near campus. Said Jamia Harris of the Birmingham area was shot and killed. Miles and Michael Lynn Davis of Charles County, Maryland, were both charged with capital murder. That charge arose because the death involved shots being fired into a vehicle. And here's the quote from uh, Captain Kennedy. At this time, it appears that the only motive was a minor altercation that these individuals had with the victim as they were out on the strip. They didn't have a previous relationship. Hmm. His attorney, by the way, says while Darius has been accused of being involved with this tragedy, he maintains his innocence and look forward, uh, looks forward to his day in court. Our firm's own investigation is ongoing and no further statement will be made at this time. Nate Oates today said that he is limited in what he can say about Darius Miles. 
when he spoke with uh, reporters at a news conference at lunchtime today. He said, I just want to start by offering our deepest condolences to the family and friends of Jamia Harris, a young woman, daughter, and mother who was taken away too soon in a senseless act. It is an incredibly sad situation. We're keeping Harris's family and friends in our thoughts and prayers as they continue to grieve with this being a pending investigation. There's nothing I can add that hasn't already been shared. Mm. Awful story out of Tuscaloosa. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, since you have less disdain for basketball right now than we do, Mm. let's just go back uh, for a second. Mississippi State loses that game to Auburn on Saturday night. You you say there actually might be some reason for optimism. Is this a glass half full for the sake of the glass being half full, or is there something that you really do see there? Well, you know, and we talked about this a little bit this morning. State shot was at seventy five percent off the line, which is not, you know, a ridiculous percentage. It's a good, solid free throw percentage. Sure. That just feels normal. That feels like something that you know. The outliers are when you shoot seven for twenty two or eighteen of thirty six. That's that's not normal college basketball. Any any level of higher basketball statistics. And so it feels like state they should they should be able to you know shoot free throws better. Yeah, I know they had four games in a row where they shot free throws like crap, but this is college basketball. All these guys can shoot at some level. They they can shoot the basketball. So it feels like the O of eighteen is is just a huge outlier. I mean, I just don't see them you know week in week out putting up horrific numbers like that. So I guess what I'm saying is I think they can control the free throw shooting, and I feel like the three point shooting isn't going to be that terrible every week. I'll say this: if State plays like they played against Auburn, and they can find a way to make five or six three pointers, which again, you know, talking about somewhere between thirty, thirty three percent, not a massive percentage, they can beat Tennessee. They could beat Tennessee on Tuesday if they play basically the same way. They, they out-rebounded Auburn. They dominated the paint. They shot the ball well at the free-throw line. They got good looks. They just need to make a few three-pointers, and and you're right there. So I feel like that can happen. I think Mississippi State's going to win some games in the SEC. I don't think they're going 3-15 and 15 necessarily. Right. But... When I look at the remainder of their schedule, it's hard for me to go, oh, this is the one. I mean, number nine, Tennessee, tomorrow night at home. Okay. 
State makes it a physical game, Tough. makes it an ugly game, makes some shots, maybe. I wouldn't bet on it, but maybe. Right. Florida at home on Saturday. Okay. That's a game you can win. You can win. But but Florida, I think, has probably been a little better than people thought they were going to be with first-year head coach. At Alabama on Wednesday, January 25th. Mm. No. No. Just say it. No. Hosting TCU, who's ranked 14th in the country on Saturday. Maybe. These next... These next four games are tough for State. After they get out of this four-game stretch, you start getting into a little bit more manageable games. But they do need to find, in this next four, at least one win. But but even when you get out of that, okay, so you go to South Carolina. It's a game Mississippi State mm-hmm. probably should win. Probably should win. But it is on the road, and South Carolina has at times showed a pulse. Yes. You host Missouri. Missouri's look pretty darn good. Not pretty great. Good. But pretty good. good. Yeah. Host LSU. They looked okay at times. And then at times they looked bad. Like Saturday when they got beat by 40 at Alabama. Yeah. Go to Arkansas. That is a ridiculously hard place to play. Arkansas has got some problems right now. I don't know if they're going to get them worked out or not. It hosts Kentucky. I mean, you're not scared of Kentucky like you were, but when everybody laid Kentucky to rest last week, what'd they do? They went to Knoxville and beat a a top-five team on the road. This is sort of what I would get at, though. It's like, I feel like everybody outside of Alabama is gettable. You can beat Arkansas. Arkansas lost to Vanderbilt on Saturday. You can can get Tennessee if if the right conditions. They're probably the second-best team. Kentucky is beatable. Uh, Florida, LSU, they're, they're beatable. Yeah. So I mean, you, know, you got to play better. So is Missouri. State. I mean, A and M. You know, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. But you, you got to play better. Yeah, but yeah. you can win these games. Some of them. Some of them. Yes. Yeah, state. State needs to get. Like I said, this week it would be good to be one and one this week because next week probably you're zero and two. But if you if you win one game, of Florida's net is forty eight. State I think today was fifty four. You're still hanging around the 40s and 50s, and then you get into some games you can start winning. I feel like the the NCAA tournament conversation is over. I don't think it's over, but they got to start winning some games. Okay, we'll see. I hope you're right. I hope they're interesting and compelling enough that we can talk about them into March. Yeah. You mentioned Vanderbilt, take, uh, Arkansas. Did you guys see that sequence uh, in the first half on Saturday? Bandy Arkansas. I missed the first half. So you have a foul, and then you have a scuffle and a push, and they go to the monitor, and then Doug Shouse calls Nate Oaks and Jerry Stackhouse out to explain what they found on the monitor. And Jerry Stackhouse doesn't like what they say, and he bleepity bleep, bleepity bleep, bleepity bleeps him about three times. And then he gets a technical, and the result is seven free throws. Seven for Arkansas. They make five of the seven in that stretch. And then they're leading it by ten. And then in the second half, Vanderbilt just smokes Arkansas. Like almost out of nowhere. 
Vanderbilt ends up winning that game by 13. They outscored Arkansas 63-42 in the second half. That's a weird game. Yeah. It's a weird Saturday in SEC basketball. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the Tennessee Kentucky game is weird. Yeah. LSU losing by 40 is weird. Um, uh, there was an, the, the the South Carolina game. I mean, losing by 40. Anytime you lose by 40, that's which is weird. Yeah. So yeah, there's that, that's my that's my point though. This the conference. A few weeks ago, we thought, man, the conference is really top heavy, and you've got five teams that are just really, really good. And now it looks like it's Alabama and everybody else. It's really gettable, which which makes... Again, it's different with Jans because this is year one. But it makes the current circumstances even more disappointing. It's because this is a gettable conference. Nobody's invincible. Nobody's just head and shoulders, oh man, you're going to lose that night. You'd be lucky to hang in. Yeah. It's Alabama, and then because they've got, again, I, I think possibly the number three player in the draft currently up there. Definitely top five guy. Otherwise, they're all gettable. Yeah. But you know what? Alabama's not going to run the table because they're going to have a night where they're a little cold shooting. They shoot so, yeah. so many yeah. threes. They're going to yeah. have a couple of nights where they, they would have lost to State shots. if State could shoot free throws. Yeah. Yeah, but that's basketball. But but the fact that, that we have one combined win in this state is disappointing is underselling it. It did it sucks is what it does. It, it just, it, you know, I, I've gotten a bunch of texts, man, can't wait for baseball at this point. It's like, yeah, you're, I mean, it starts next month, but, I mean, baseball doesn't really start the baseball that you get excited about for two months. Yeah. Because it's going to be cold and it's going to be Delaware and places like that and, it's the 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 cool teams that you play are on the road up until conference play starts. It's it's just a shame. It shouldn't have to be like this, and and it is, and and that's a massive disappointment. Again, you're one for Jan, so that's that's built into the disappointment is you're building to something. But for Ole Miss's case, it just it feels like you're just yeah walk into a dead end, but you know it's a dead end. You're just walking there anyway. But we knew that back in September and November with Ole Miss. We yeah. know we knew it back last last March and April when they extended Kermit. We were like, it's a waste of time. We all know what's going to happen. So for state, I feel like there's still a lot of excitement. I think people there should be see the way this team plays, and they see, like, like I said, with, with state, when they're getting the kind of looks that state got against Auburn, and when you're getting to the free throw line as much, that means the game planning is good. That means the coaching is good. It's just a question of the play. You know, coaches like to talk about, you know, players didn't execute sometimes. This is clearly players didn't execute. Because you know, states getting, putting themselves in position to win games, they're just not making the shots when they count. Of those 18 threes, how many of them were good looks? A lot. There, there were some good looks in there that they just didn't hit, they just did yeah. not hit. Where on the other side, you know, Auburn hit two or three that I saw that were well defended. And just yeah. there, there was their shots fell and states didn't. Well, you remember when Ole Miss and Mississippi State played each other in Starkville a couple of weekends ago, and that's one of the things we said after the fact, right? Ole Miss had some really yeah. good looks. They just missed shots. Yeah. And it just, just, it's tough right now. That's, that's a game, an excuse for one game. It just didn't make shots. 
not two years of terrible offense. You can't just chalk that up to everything's great, just not making shots. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. we got more coming up with you right after this. Super Talk Mississippi. Check the Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sean Payton right now. The former New Orleans Saints head coach is probably the top target for every team that has an opening right now. And in an interview with Colin Cowherd earlier today, he said that he will meet this week with Houston, with Denver, and with Carolina. And the Arizona Cardinals have also requested permission from the Saints to meet with the 59-year-old coach. Any team that hires Peyton, we know, would have to compensate New Orleans, which has the rights to the coach through the end of next season. Said he and the Saints general manager, Mickey Loomis, already have discussed what that compensation would potentially be. Sean Peyton said that. He said, ultimately, the compensation for the Saints would be a mid- or late first-round pick. Each team has different ammo or different pick selections. Could be a future one where maybe you have to throw in something... So, if you put yourself in Sean Payton's shoes, where are you going? You you can have your pick, probably. Houston, Denver, Carolina, Arizona. We'll see if the Chargers do anything. It feels like if the Chargers decide to make a move, then that's the spot. Yes. Where he can go team up with Justin Herbert, have a star at quarterback, inherit a playoff team, and go on his merry way. Yeah, from from reading between the lines from people that cover the Saints, it, it, this isn't like a 10-year thing for him. He wants to go win another Super Bowl and then right off into the sunset as a coaching legend. Now, he already would be one, but it's not my motivation, it's his. So... You would think the place would be, where can I win the fastest? That place is the Chargers if they make a move, but they may not. We'll see, but it's the Chargers. Houston makes some sense if it would be a long-term thing because they would give you a lot of control and you get to draft your quarterback. At least you think, depending on what Chicago does with the number 1 overall since you lost the number 1 overall pick. But you get to draft a quarterback. Carolina makes no sense to me at all. Because I mean, they're going to have to give up draft capital to get him at least one first round pick, right? You don't love the quarterback room right there. So is Sean Payton really going to buy into well, Baker's here? Maybe Darnold's okay. They have a basically a rookie. And Baker's not there. I said he can be. He'd be willing to re-sign. Huh. I assume to play for Sean Payton. He's with LA now, though. 
Oh my gosh, yeah. He'd be available. Okay. <laughs> if they wanted to go get him a second time, maybe they He'd could. He'd be available. <laughs> I, I know we like, returned this, but yeah, I know we yeah. returned this package the other day, but can we can we buy it again? But no, Carolina doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean Arizona. No. Is Sean Payton really going to want to deal after having a career with Drew Brees? Deal with a kid that he's got to force to watch film that has a ton of maturity issues that is constantly questioning play calls. Constantly, Sean Payton's not going to put up with that. Yeah, and so he'd either end it or they'd go somewhere else. I don't know. So do I, do I hear you saying Chargers are the answer, but that may not be an opening, and so Denver Russell and Wilson maybe would, then Houston? Russell Wilson fits what he would no. want to do. Eh. Skill set, maturity. I feel like, I feel like former Russell, Russell Wilson Wilson's does. best days are behind him, and I feel like I'm being kind Possibly when I say so. that. But, but at least you would have somebody that's established, that's been there, and that you know would work. And that, that's Drew Brees' best quality, right? He and Sean Payton were on the same page because they worked their you-know-what's-off constantly. They were always, Russell Wilson will give you that. You know that. Yeah. If it truly is win now. If it's not, then Houston makes a ton of sense. Carolina even makes some sense. But if it's, i got to win now so I can ride off into the sunset, it's L.A., it's Denver. If you're Davis Mills in Houston, are you going, please? Please, I want to work with him. Yeah, but you work with him for how long before Bryce Young takes over? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> that that is a Daniel. that well, is a very good point. And you know, there is one opening in particular that isn't open yet. The that, Saints? Not that one. Oh, if if a loss how comes about tonight. The Cowboys? <laughs> And despite what Jerry Jones has said about keeping McCarthy, they lose tonight. He's not. Is that asking the right question, though? If if you are Dallas, and we can pick this up a little bit later in the 5 o'clock hour, and Tom Brady and the Bucks win tonight over Dak and the Cowboys, is the right question, do we need to change coaches? Or is the right question... Do we need to change quarterbacks? They'll wrestle with that. Sports, uh, or will they? We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. after 5 o'clock with you on this Monday afternoon, the 16th of January. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and the Pearl River Resort Studios. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com to find out all that's happening in and around the properties at Pearl River Resort. 
course, you've got the Golden Moon Casino and the Silver Star, not to mention tons of entertainment options that are available. You can book your stay online. You can book a tea time online. You've got uh, January live music at the Starlight Lounge at Silver Star Casino. The Center Bar's got live music in January at the Golden Moon Casino as well. And don't forget uh, Blues Review. That's January. Nope, that was this past weekend. Up next, the next big one is the I Love the 90s Tour with Rob Bass, Vanilla Ice, and Tone Loke. That's February 4th at 8 p.m. Choctaw, Mississippi. PearlRiverResort.com to buy your tickets. Ceasefire text line, that's how you can get in touch with us. 601-879-4395. Ceasefire.com for all that's happening with Ceasefire. Great deals, great products, great service, locations near you as well. All right, let us roll into a little college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. But do not stop there. You can test drive the F-150 F-Series rolling into its 46th year as the number one selling truck in America. So let's kind of uh, do some, some, some rapid fire today during the uh, college football fix. We will start with news that Southern Miss fans were not excited to see, I would assume. Austin Armstrong, young, hotshot defensive coordinator, did a great job with Southern Miss on Will Hall's staff, headed to Alabama, not as the defensive coordinator. He is an on-field position coach for Alabama. You, you certainly you, you don't hold that against Austin Armstrong. That is no. an incredible opportunity for a young, up-and-coming, hot commodity coach to be able to add Nick Saban and Alabama football to your resume is something that you can't look past. And also, if you go in and you do a good job as a position coach and you prove yourself as a recruiter, there's enough turnover on Nick Saban's staff that you could very well find yourself in a coordinator position in a relatively short period of time. For sure. And for what it's worth, Southern Miss uh, has already uh, replaced him, but sort of. Uh, they promoted from within uh, Dan O'Brien. Uh, promoted from within again. But he's uh, he's an interesting case. So he was at Elon, he was at Navy, and was a analyst or a GA or whatever you want to call it under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart at Alabama, and even a long time ago, almost two decades ago, spent some time with Bill Belichick. So the football pedigree is absolutely there, and according to Ross Dellinger, he is uh, the son of uh, Tom O'Brien. Former Boston College and NC State head coach. So it's in his blood, and he's the new D.C. at Southern Miss. I'm going to trust Will Hall. Right, I mean, he, he has done the things that he's needed to do in his first couple of years to get that program and that team moving in the right direction. He's gotten buy-in from his team. He seems to have gotten buy-in from his staff as well. I mean, if we're being honest, right, did anybody know who Austin Armstrong was before Will Hall made him his defensive coordinator at Southern Miss? I mean, other than the most ardent football fans that really keep up with the assistant coaching ranks? No. 
And so I think, it, I think Will Hall gets our trust here. I think is the point that I'm making. Yeah, and, and if you can go get a guy that's, I mean, he was at Georgia before Southern Miss too. I, I missed that line in the resume. So he was he was under Saban and smart as a staff member. Was at Elon. Was at Navy, and Navy had a really good run while he was there, as as you know. Kenny Montalolo now fired, but they those were really good Navy teams when he was around, and a really good coach. And then goes back to Kirby Smart, not an on-field staffer, but back to Kirby Smart before getting the job at Southern Miss. So if that's a resume line for your D.C. at Southern Miss, you can exclusively be happy about that. At least I think you should. Yeah. Austin Armstrong, 27 years old. I mean, that's a name we're going to be hearing for a long time. Uh, Hey, Dad. There was uh, there was a lot this weekend. You you told us on Friday that you might just shut it down and like not even open your phone again until Monday. I know you well enough to know you didn't actually do that. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of uh, stuff over the course of the weekend as it I pertains did, uh, to Mississippi easy, State. Though. You did. Good I did. You. I did avoid social media as much as I could. I avoided group texts too. All right. What do we got on Tulu Griffin? What have we got on Will Rogers? What was that all about with the portal over the weekend, et cetera, et yeah. cetera? Feels like Rogers was more just sort of paranoia more than anything else. I, I don't think there was ever a moment where Will Rogers was actually going to leave Mississippi State. Uh, with Tulu Griffin, uh, it's been a process. Uh, you know, Mississippi State wants to keep him. Other schools want to get him. Um, if you made me, you know, throw odds out or whatever today, I feel like he's leaning towards staying in Starkville. I feel like that before, maybe before the end of the week, he'll pull his name out of the portal. But they're still working, and you know, they're still working through a lot of stuff, trying to make sure that he, you know, he's he's happy here in Starkville, and that you know he wants to stay here. So we'll have to see what happens. What's with fluid situation? Is that what people say? But right now, the 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 leaves lean towards him staying here, in Mississippi State. Was this purely a leverage play by Tully Griffin? No, I don't think so. I think he's got people uh, advising him that. Things would be grass would be greener elsewhere. Okay, the grass would be greener, or the cash would be greener. Maybe it's all the same, right? It's all it's all the same, though. And and, and it's not a shot when you say that. That's where we are, man. That is life. I'm just I'm I'm glad that you've adopted this mentality. Not that you didn't have it previously, but that that is life. That is how we make decisions in life. I, I, I don't I don't understand why it bothers people, but if if he made a business decision. That's what I would have done if I were in his shoes. That's what I will do at some point in the future, just like all of you will. And it's fine. It is what it is. It's it's not a negative if a kid, I say kid, he's he's an adult. He's a legal adult. How old is he, 20, 21? Sure. Something like that, yeah. He can legally serve our country. He can vote, possibly drink alcohol legally. He's an adult man. If if he made a decision based on finances, then good for him. Welcome to adulthood. Anyway. Yeah. Um There was kind of some interesting back and forth too with Tulu Griffin and fans. Yeah. Just stupidity. A lot of it too. Uh you know. And of course, you know the thing with social media is everybody's kind of anonymous, so you don't know who's real and who's not. But I would imagine that there was a, you know, there's obviously some fake in there, but there were some state fans in there who said stupid things. And for that, they should feel completely ashamed. My guess is they're not intelligent enough to do that. So 
they'll go on thinking that they uh, they did the right thing by telling Tulu Griffin to jump off a bridge or whatever because he might go somewhere else to college. You know, when you say it out loud like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe that's what you. Maybe that's the rule of thumb. Say this out loud before you tweet it. And all you do when you act like that is affirm. That's what I think. And, and and not that there there's. I mean, I guess maybe Vanderbilt fans don't act like this, but fan bases all over the country act like that. But when you say things like that to that player. That only affirms why he's possibly leaving. You know what I mean? You're only hurting yourselves even more because there's a chance he returns, mm-hmm. and and you made that another that, conversation that he has the, to have. That was the message from people inside the Mississippi State community: like, hey, this is going to happen. This is happening. Let it play out. Blah blah blah. Because there's a chance he'll come back, and instead, you have people running to Twitter, and be like, "What's wrong with you?" But by that same token, I mean, there are clearly a lot of people from fan bases outside of Mississippi State who made accounts and put a cowbell in there and just like, I'm a diehard State fan and I hope you go straight to hell. You know, stuff like that. So, well, And you get the meme. People really do that. Oh, Richard, under oh, yeah. every single oh. final oh. score graphic. Yeah. So, so like, pick, pick your favorite NFL team, NBA team, whatever, and when they tweet the final score of a loss... Mm-hmm. The first reply is almost always, I've been a fan for 28 years and I can't stand it anymore. I threw my TV I just in broke the trash. My, television. Yeah. my five-year-old is crying. You know that. <laughs> I'm now a fan of the Minnesota Vikings yes. where they know how to win a Super Bowl, which they've never won a Super Bowl. So, But under all of them, that stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's every week. It's the template. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler has reported that uh, multiple NFL teams are taking a look at Todd Munkin to be their offensive coordinator. The Jets seem to be especially excited about that. That would be be a significant loss for Georgia. Todd Munkin has proven that he is... We can only hope. He is a guru in terms of calling plays and building offenses. Helps when he's got really good players. That, that, That helps. The Jets have better players. Sports Talk Mississippi. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. So when you're an offensive coordinator at one team and you have already leveraged a an opportunity to go to another team into a raise, if a third team comes after you, can you leverage that into another raise? Or does your does your current employer just say, you know what, just go? Talking about Kendall Bryles. Mississippi State wanted him. He got a raise to stay at Arkansas. And now TCU wants him. Where is um where's this gonna go? Probably to TCU. He gets hired by TCU. You, you can't keep flirting. And that ends up Well, I don't even know if it's if flirting. I think TCU is just such a good job, you just take it. And and in reality, what a bullet dodged by Mississippi State there, because I think he would have taken the TCU job 
if they had come after him, even if he had only been a week at Mississippi State. So that, that ended up working out pretty good for State. Hmm. Why do you think that? You, you just think that's think the, right, the right time? I think TCU right now is a better job than Mississippi State. Easier path to the playoff. They got a lot of resources. They're about to be in a conference that they could maybe dominate with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Yeah. Um, and you got a veteran head coach. I, I like Arnett, but you know Sonny Dykes is a veteran head coach. You're not staking it on a on a guy who's never done it before. So I may be connecting dots that aren't there, stretching logic a little bit, whatever the case may be. Garrett Riley didn't just randomly decide to take the Clemson job. Those things are worked on for a while. As we've learned, like the Pete Golding deal to Ole Miss, that had been worked on for a while. Weeks. Maybe even longer. So Garrett Riley didn't just decide, oh, hey, Dabo, uh, thanks, just lost the championship. That's a bummer. I'll take your job. Like that, that doesn't go down like that, right? Usually there's a little bit more than just one day it's offered, the next day the guy takes it. Wonder yeah. if Kendall Bryles turned down Mississippi State with the anticipation of getting other offers or a, a another offer, one that he was like particularly one interested in. Like Clemson doesn't fire Brandon Streeter without knowing that somebody else better is coming. So on that end, yes. But with Bryles, I don't think Bryles could have had any knowledge that a job like TCU was just going to open up to him this quickly. So I, I I think I think he turned down Mississippi State because he because at the time he wanted to stay at Arkansas. But once TCU became available and was offered to him, he's gonna want to go there. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't take that job. Yeah. And it hasn't happened yet. So we'll have to keep an eye on it and see how it ends up, how it shakes out. But that is very much something that is uh is happening. What's going on up there in Arkansas? What is going on up there? I don't know, because it feels like there's a lot of good and a lot of momentum, right? I mean, they've got good leadership at the top of their department. There's been some excitement around that program. Got a returning quarterback. But it seems like football's been a little bit of a mess. This is two years in a row with basically a mass exodus to the portal. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they have A&M levels of guys leaving. And Kendall Bryles, I mean, look, I, I know they just went to the championship, but think about it. Two years ago, what's the better OC job, Arkansas or TCU? Well, obviously, it's Arkansas. Yeah. What has happened? I would love to know the answer. I don't think we'll get it, but something there's something weird... There, whether it be culturally or whatever, or maybe just pure coincidence, doesn't seem like that's the case, though. Yeah, coincidence doesn't necessarily—that's not necessarily the word that immediately pops to mind when you think about that happening a couple of years in a row. But I mean, there's look, there's more turnover at every level of college football than there's ever been. There's more turnover in assistant coaching staffs. Certainly, is more turnover with players. We see a ton of turnover at the head coach level on a year-in, year-out basis. So I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it ends up. Speaking of what's going on, what's going on with Ole Miss and the transfer portal? 
there is, we talked about it on Friday, right? When you have a coordinator leave, especially a coordinator that was as involved with recruiting as Chris Partridge was, you're going to see players that choose to leave as well. Tysheem Johnson, the most recent. Has there been another since Friday? Igbenosan. Now they're trying to That's right. apparently keep him. But he's a he would be a loss. I've started Davis as a true Igbenosan, freshman. You ended up freshman. losing that starting job, but still played well, played a lot, a lot, a lot of football, and really well. And freshmen hit walls sometimes. It, it happens. Losing him is uh, is a that'd be a big loss. But that is the nature of the beast now, right? It's you know we're, I, I don't think neither you nor I would sit here and do the, well, they weren't very good anyway, because they were. They at least played a good bit. I think Igbenosan was going to be on his way to being a really, really good player. Keys and that that's a dime a dozen. I think Igbenosan was going to be better than that. But this is what happens if you're going to make coordinator changes. That This is going to happen. It's just that's college football now. It's part of the part of the deal. And then the highest profile position is not so much about people leaving, but people potentially coming in. Walker Howard was in Oxford over the weekend, was supposedly leaving Ole Miss and going to TCU. That's another one that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So Walker Howard was top, top recruit for LSU at quarterback a year ago. Jaden Daniels wins the starting job after transferring in for Arizona State, decides to come back for another year. Garrett Nussmeyer was the backup this year, so Walker Howard was going to be third on the depth chart at LSU. Chooses to put his name in the transfer portal. He's out shopping. Ole Miss very much wants Walker Howard. They're trying to build depth at the quarterback position and add scholarship players to that room. I'm assuming TCU wants to bring in a couple of quarterbacks as well, given yeah. that Max Duggan is done. It's, it's interesting. So, oh, again, somebody else tried to get into the fold late. You want to guess who? Auburn. <laughs> we we could do a whole show on what's gone on in Auburn since uh, that hire happened and the implications on this state. But uh, for things that are actually realistic, it sounds like Ole Miss has got a really good chance to land him, if not the, the favorite, if not you're waiting on a commitment watch at this point. What that will do, though, even though he's a transfer, it'll essentially be like signing a high school quarterback, right? He's got four years of eligibility. And reportedly for multiple people, coming in to be a starter is not the priority. It's not like some other guys that hit the portal that I'm... Sam Hartman, for example, transferred to go start somewhere. One year left, he's going to go start somewhere. It happens to be Notre Dame. Apparently that's not the motivation here. It's want to play get yourself in position to become the starter as early as next season. But like start right away is not the priority in his search, which is why a place like Ole Miss is somebody that he's considering, obviously because of an incumbent starter. But that would be like signing a high school player. Four years left, very talented. As we learn, the NCAA is going to crack down on the double transfers heavily. Hopefully they have some teeth to that because that would make sense. So you lock a guy down for four years, that was a top 50 recruit. It's a no-brainer if you can get it done. Almost picked up an offensive lineman in the transfer portal over the weekend, Quincy McGee, who has previously spent some time in Mississippi. He uh, played at Southwest Mississippi Community College, went to UAB, 
And uh, last two years, we're at UAB. Started all 13 games for the Blazers this season with second team All Conference USA. And uh, this is a guy that has gone from 420 pounds when he was playing at Southwest Mississippi Community College down to about 290, 300, and a player that. Certainly Ole Miss thinks can slide in and contribute. And I mean, I would assume they think he's going to start on the offensive line. We'll see. They need him to. Yeah. It's an interesting story. I was reading about him. He at UAB was in the four hundreds in terms of weight. Yeah. And lost when he a, left Southwest. Lost a ton of weight and now he's in position to possibly play at the next level. Quincy McGee, uh, originally from Hattiesburg. So, um, one year at Southwest, then Mississippi Gulf Coast, part of the national championship team there, had lost some weight by the time he got to UAB, down to, what, 335? And he played at about 295, 300 this season. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, it, it is. Ole Miss obviously has a, a hole to plug in the absence of, uh, of Nick Broker. Will that be Quincy McGee? We'll see in September, but uh, there are a lot of people that think that that is going to be the case. Of course, there was a transfer offensive lineman that came in last year to Ole Miss that everybody thought was going to be a plug-and-play starter, and he ended up playing sparingly even as a backup, talking about Mason Brooks. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. FM. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Sports Talk brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. As we move toward the start of the spring season for sports, M-Trade Park's got to be on your list. Whether it's baseball, fast pitch, or soccer, you've got tournaments that are about to get rolling. As we roll into February... Weekend of February 10th, 11th, and 12th, you've got a U-Triple-S-A baseball tournament. Following weekend, there's a fast-pitch tournament, then more baseball. March, oh, it's every single weekend. Four baseball tournaments, fast-pitch. you got soccer coming up in April. Whether you are a, a coach or a parent who's involved with scheduling, be sure you uh, you check out the full schedule of events at M-Trade Park, online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. We were talking about transfer portal guys coming in for Ole Miss, a couple of additions over the uh, the last few days. Hey, Dad, what about for uh, for Mississippi State on the uh, the new additions side of things through the transfer portal? Any names that we need to be looking at? I picked one up on this weekend, Jacoby Albert, uh, safety from uh, Kentucky, uh, who had some offers from, from around the conference. I know Ole Miss had, had tried to pursue him as well. Uh, that's That's been State's, you know, 
they haven't been able to focus offensively because they haven't known who the offensive coordinator is. I think that's going to be in the coming weeks and going into the spring. That's where State's going to have to look once now that they have everything settled over there. But defensively in the secondary, they've added, what, four players now? Uh, uh, Radar Jones, Kamari Rogers, Chris Keyes, all three native Mississippians who went outside the state for college and returned, and now Albert uh, has added has been added as well. Um, and then, like I said, in the coming weeks, obviously priority one is going to be tight ends. You don't have any. you got to have a few. So I know that uh, Georgia tight end, uh, I, forgive me if I pronounce, mispronounce his uh, last name, I think it's Good, though, Ryland Good, uh, who just left out of there. Uh, is headed to Mississippi State this weekend for an official visit, and State feels pretty good about their chances. Obviously, you talk about wide open. You talk about, you know, we have a starting job to offer you if you can you can make the cut. Uh, it's right there for them. And then obviously they got to find another quarterback as well. You know, you really don't want to go through this season with a with a two starting uh, or two scholarship quarterbacks. Uh, so whether that quarterback is somebody who's really coming in to possibly challenge Rodgers for the starting job, or if it's just somebody that they feel can provide depth. You know, a player like Walker Howard, who I don't think has any interest in Mississippi State, but a player like that who's like who could look at the situation and say, okay, I sit a year and then it, it can be my job, I can compete for this job after that, might be the way to look uh, for Mississippi State. So a younger quarterback, it'll be tough to get anybody who's like a junior or a senior with Rodgers still there. Okay. We'll keep an eye on the transfer portal as it pertains to Mississippi State. Uh, there's a story that started over the weekend and continues to develop that uh, on the surface sounds bad and may be really bad when it's all said and done, or maybe it's more of a misunderstanding. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Former Ole Miss football player Jarrell Poe was arrested and charged with kidnapping on Thursday, according to Ridgeland Police Chief Brian Myers, Jarrell Poe, who is 35, was encountered by Ridgeland Police at Chase Bank on Highland Colony Park in Ridgeland. Myers said that an accomplice, 35-year-old Gavin Bates of Roseville, California, was arrested and charged with kidnapping as well. The incident began in Laurel and ended in Ridgeland when the victim was able to contact the police department who told officers he was kidnapped against his will and was forced to withdraw money at the bank. Investigators are currently gathering facts and evidence regarding the incident. The victim, according to Chief Myers, is safe. Poe and Bates are being held at the Madison County Detention Center without bond and are pending a hearing, which is coming up tomorrow. Ridgeland Police Department said that further criminal charges are possible. Not a great story there. No. Jarrell Poe is one of he's one of the more likable figures in recent history in Ole Miss football because of his story. He is also, from opposing fan bases, one of the more poked fun at figures in recent Ole Miss football history because of his story. So we'll see how this one plays out. Um, Again, kind of light on details at this point. It is worth uh, remembering that kidnapping does not mean it was a child. (laughs) No. If if your mind's made up, your mind's made up, but it, 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 it was not a child. Kidnapping is... Uh, No, a child is not forced to withdraw money from the bank. Yeah. So, 
Uh, as more details of that story become available, we certainly will pass them along. And, and I mean, you want to talk about a heartbreaking story. This one from the University of Georgia. You probably saw this over the course of the weekend. On Saturday, Georgia had its championship parade and celebration inside Sanford Stadium uh, on the campus. Great crowd for that. Back-to-back national championships coming off a 15-0 football season. Statement from the UGA Athletics Association. The entire Georgia family is devastated by the tragic loss of football student-athlete Devin Willock and football staff member Chandler LaCroix. Two other members of the football program also were injured in a car accident. They're both in stable condition and will continue to monitor their status with medical personnel. Uh, You had statements from Kirby Smart and the athletics director, Josh Brooks, and the university president, Jerry Moorhead. Um, Again, full details seem to be a little sketchy. It was an accident that happened at, I think I read, 3 a.m., where a car with these four people in it, lost control, went off the road. Um, Mullock was ejected from the car and was pronounced dead on site. And um, Chandler McCoy uh, McCoy was uh, made it to the hospital but was pronounced dead there as well. Have you guys seen any other details from that? None. No. Just, I mean... You're talking about a guy that was part of the national championship team that was there celebrating the national championship earlier in the day on Saturday, and then Saturday night, Sunday morning, loses his life. Just awful. Absolutely awful. Talk about the range of emotions for, for Kirby Smart, for everybody affiliated with that Georgia program in the course of a dozen hours, 18 hours, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in uh, in that right. loss. That's just terrible. Terrible. And college, I mean, the SEC, opposite ends of, of that spectrum, man, with the, the Alabama thing and this. The, that, they're, they're both tragedies in, in different ways, of course. But it, when I saw the Alabama thing, my, and my mind always goes to this place, too, is, is what on earth possesses a, a young person – that has everything that you could want at that age in life to to engage in stuff like that. What what possesses you to to continue acting yeah, I mean, in such a way when I mean you're getting school paid for, you're on a really good basketball team. I'm sure you've got tons of friends and I mean just life is just awesome. What the are you doing? What are you doing out there in that situation? Why would you ever put yourself in a situation like that? To do something so evil, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. And and if indeed the small amount of details that have come out of this are that it was a relatively minor disagreement or argument, where the immediate reaction is to pull out a gun and start shooting into a car. And again, I mean, like the, each of the last couple of stories we've talked about, I mean, I, I guess more details will come out, but... Darius Miles is obviously no longer part of the Alabama basketball team, which kind of sounds like if you read the story was maybe already in the works. And Alabama was quick to say that his being apart from the team and the ankle injury were not related to whatever happened on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. But 
just awful all the way around. That's heavy stuff. Yeah, it is. Light, light, lighter stuff. We got NFL football tonight. Cowboys and the Bucks. Brady got a center back. Jensen's going to play tonight. Cowboys twelve and five on the year. Tampa Bay Buccaneers a game below five hundred, eight and nine. Cowboys have a sixty-seven percent chance to win that game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. America's team is a three-point favorite in this game. Total number of points, 45 and a half. This did not feel like a uh, a great year for Tom Brady, and yet he th- still threw for almost 4,700 yards and 25 touchdowns. Dak missed some time, obviously. The Cowboys were really good in the time that he was away. It's a Dallas team that looks different. What they do offensively is different when Dak plays than when Cooper Rush was in the game. They have not leaned on the running game nearly as much, and Dak has had multiple interceptions uh, in, what is it, six straight games? He certainly has got to clean that up tonight. We'll wrap things up with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. So some final thoughts on this Monday afternoon, the 16th of January. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. they got just the right mix of different things to help you look your best and, uh, and feel your best. So I'm doing the golf shirt today, and i got the slightly heavier weight pullover on, and it's just the perfect weight. I mean, today's like, what, mid-50s, low-50s, kind of little yucky outside, you feel great in your Genteel Apparel gear. Go to their website, genteelapparel.com, and uh, find whatever it is you're looking for. Golf shirts, getting ready for the spring. I, uh, I talked with Blake a couple of days ago, and uh, their spring stuff will start arriving in early February. It will be available on the website and in retailers that carry Genteel all across the state of Min- uh, Mississippi. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So, as we wrap up, final thoughts on the weekend that was in terms of NFL playoffs and the game that we got coming up tonight with the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. How does this one play out tonight? I, 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 can, I think Tampa's going to win. Do you? Yeah, I just Brady here at the end. I think he's got one. I don't know if he's got a Super Bowl championship in him, but a good run. I, I don't think he goes out like this. What do you think, Mort? Um, something in me tells me that Dallas is going to win this game because of pass rush. That that they're so good up front that we might have a defensive struggle and they'll end up winning this game as a result. But I am done 
absolutely done counting out Tom Brady for anything at all. And I would hate Never to see Sean Payton coach the Cowboys. Therefore, Tom Brady's going to win the game, and Sean Payton's <laughs> going to coach the Cowboys after they fire McCarthy after they lose tonight. So, I threw this out there earlier. I mean, the the immediate reaction is if they lose this game, Mike McCarthy, a lot of people think, think it's fired. I think we forget sometimes how loyal Jerry Jones is to his coaches. It took him a long time to get rid of Jason Garrett, and there were a lot of people that wanted Jason Garrett gone for a while before he actually was gone. Is is this a Mike McCarthy issue? If the Cowboys don't win this game, or is it a Dak Prescott issue? I mean, Dak Prescott got the big contract. They have pushed all of their chips in the table on Dak. When he's been healthy, he's been pretty good. He was really bad in the season finale. I mentioned before the break that you know offensively they're relying less on that kind of bruising running game that they had success with early in the year, and they're throwing the football more, and that hasn't been a great recipe for them. Will there be a legitimate conversation about Dak Prescott as the future of the Cowboys if they don't get it in this game tonight, or is that just something for media people to talk about? His contract leads you to believe it's just something for media and people to talk about. What are they going to do? I mean, there certainly would be a market for Dak Prescott if they wanted to move on. There would be, but I don't know. I, I think it's more media-driven than anything. In the loss to Washington, he was 14 of 37 for 128 yards with a touchdown and a pick. In the win against Tennessee, threw for 282, had two touchdowns, two picks. He's pretty good against Philly, threw for 347 in that game, completed 77%. This is what a, matters, Kind though. of a mixed bag, right? This, but, you're right. It, it, it's tonight. And, and, and Hunter texted us earlier about how he doesn't think it's fair, and, and I agree it's not fair, but that this is how quarterbacks in that league are judged. What do you do? Especially when ones making $40 million a year. Yeah, this, this yeah. is it. And... Wins should not be a quarterback stat, but they are. And playoff wins are not exclusively tied to the quarterback, but they are. That's just how this works. Think about how differently Daniel Jones is being looked at today than he was on Friday. If Kirk Cousins leads that drive down the field, scores a touchdown to go for two, win the game, Daniel Jones, ah, bum. Don't pay him enough. Or don't pay him too much, I should say. <laughs> Mike in Oxford says Sam Williams is going to be more intimate with Brady than Giselle is. There's no intimacy there, but yes, I hear you. There was at one time. Mm. Was at one time. Cowboys and Bucks kick off at 7.15, about an hour and 15 minutes from right now. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.